This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Let's go to money now and our personal finance expert is Mary Holm today answering listeners' questions about mortgages. Hi Mary. Hi Jesse. Nice to have you in as always. Thank you. Now, now something I was going to mention yesterday and I didn't get round to it, we were talking yesterday on the show about World Vision and how you can buy a goat for a friend if you want oh, to for yes, Christmas and I yes. emailed you, I didn't hear back from you in time to mention it but you have a list of ethical gifts on your website somewhere, don't you? Yeah, yes, every year in my Herald column actually I run a list of different charities that, that do this sort of thing mm. and there are, there are a lot of them, there's about ten or so so, I mean, the easy way for people to find it, if they, I'll be doing it again this year in the Herald column, but, but other than that, on my website, if you just did a search on the word Christmas, they should, it should, the last list should come up. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and it's part yeah. of a wider sort of push that you give uh, annually on thinking about harder about what you're buying for yeah, people. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think it's, it can be actually quite fun to think about different family members, what would they like to give, you know, and it's all a bit contrived because the gifts are actually, um, I don't think the money actually goes on a goat or whatever, but you kind of think what person would like to give a goat and what person would like to give some seeds for a garden and what one would like to give some books for the classroom or or, or a toilet. So, I mean, you know, you, there's all kinds of things and it's quite fun to think of different gifts to give yeah. for different family members to, to be giving to the charity, basically. Yeah. yeah anyway, sweet. this week on the show we're talking about mortgages and no shortage of questions from people about mortgages. It's the major financial commitment of your life for most people, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, I don't know, at any given time, a fair chunk of New Zealanders are going to have a mortgage, although probably a bit less these days because a lot of younger people can't afford to buy a house yet. Mm. But but still, a lot of people with mortgages and a lot of people thinking about getting mortgages. And we had, I think we've got about five questions we're going to try and get through okay. today. So here's the first yeah. one from Anne. I'm a woman in my mid-50s and I've just bought my first home on my own. It's been a daunting task. I don't know much about mortgages and I've been unable to find good explanations and advice by Googling. I've had a mortgage of $250,000 approved by the bank, but I've yet to sort the details as settlement is a month off. I was thinking a 15-year term might be best because of my age, but I'm a bit confused over how much to fix and how much to float. I earn around 120000 gross each year. I've got two in, sorry, two dependent children, so I'm not so hopeful I can pay much off early, although I may have money coming from my parents' will at some stage. Do you have any advice? This is a good one, isn't it? Yes, it is. It good chance for you to stretch your legs, Mary. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, covers quite a few aspects. And first of all, and I agree, when you first get a mortgage all on your own, it can be a bit daunting, so well done. Yeah. You know, and But it's a neat feeling to to buy a house and and and. You know, get that all sorted. There's yes. one respect, although they're not my favourite people, but uh, there's one respect I found a mortgage broker quite helpful, you know, yeah. because they've done it all before and they can yes. answer all your stupid questions. They can be really helpful, mortgage brokers. Just um, ask them which lenders they're working with because they don't work with all the lenders. Mm-hmm. They do work with a lot of them. And so they, you know, a good one can help you work out which is the best mortgage for you. But ask them which 
banks they don't work with, and you might want to keep an eye on what sort of rates they offer. Mm. And also uh, just ask them up front what sort of commission they're getting because they don't charge you money, but they get commission from the the bank or other lender. Mm. And so it's it, it's good. If, if you've got all that up front, go into them and say, okay, how do you get rewarded and how much do they pay you, et cetera. Mm. And then go ahead and use them because mm. a lot of them know a lot about the different bells and whistles different banks offer and, and so on. So they can be really helpful. Um, so turning to Anne, she's one of her questions was whether getting a 15-year mortgage was a good idea. She's in her mid-50s, so I think that is a good idea because then she's got a chance of paying it off by by perhaps 70 mm. Um and the other thing, <clears throat> the shorter the term, the better, because you'll pay a lot less interest in total over the life of the loan. Have a look at mortgage calculators online. There's a lot of them. And if you so use any of them, really, to have a look at if she if she's borrowing 250000 how much more interest she would pay if she had a longer term than 15 years. Um, the shorter, the better. Um, having said that, of course, the shorter the term, the more you have to pay each month, and so you've got to, you know, make sure it's within your grasp to to pay that amount. But, but I, I like the idea of fifteen years for her. I mean, ten years would be even better in a way. But she's got to, got to have a feel for what she can afford. Then the question of um, fixed versus floating. It's interesting because I've always said do some of each, and I still say that. But I was um, helping out a friend the other day who was looking at, at his mortgage situation, and I was shocked at how much higher the interest rates are on floating at the moment. They're quite a lot higher, mm. like one and a half percentage points higher, that sort of thing. You know, go to the same bank and see what their fixed and floating rates are. It's a very big difference. It won't always be like that. And in fact, if you look at a, a graph back, say, 10 years, there are just as many periods when floating rates are lower than fixed. It it just depends on what um, what the market thinks is going to happen to interest rates in the future and, and money availability and so on. So it changes all the time. So that's one good reason to don't just look at the current rates and say, oh, fixed is cheaper, I'm going to go all fixed, fixed term, because, um, but I hope everyone knows what we mean by fixed term. It's, it's when you the bank commits you to paying X percentage interest for one year, two years, three years, four years, whatever the the term you've agreed on, whereas floating the the interest rate's going to change on you as the markets change. It might go up sometimes and it might go down. And so fixed uh, is lower interest at the moment, but I wouldn't I would suggest to Anne that she gets at least some of it floating because it's much more flexible. Mm. And down the track, floating rates could go below fixed. In, in fact, they certainly will at some point. They have in the past, and you know, we just don't know when. And the advantages of floating are, you know, and I think she sounds as though she's a bit aware of that because she says she might get some money from a parent's will. Well, it sounds a bit horrible, but, um, you know, planning that kind of thing. But, yes, yeah. but let's be realistic. You know, there, you know, a lot of people might be in for some money from a from a will. Um, people also sometimes get large amounts from redundancy pay that they don't expect. And with a fixed-term term mortgage, typically you can't pay much extra off until the end of the term. 
And, you know, if you've got, say, a three-year loan or a four-year loan, you might be plonking that money into a bank term deposit in the meantime and earning very little on it. Mm. Um, whereas with floating rates, you, you can, by the way, pay a little bit extra off fixed rates, but and, and that varies. You should always ask your bank what the deal is. But you certainly can't go plonking in, you know, $100,000 or something like that without a penalty. You'll, yeah. you'll be pay, paying a penalty if you do that. So... Uh, good idea to have at least some floating, uh, which where you can pay off the amount. I think that's probably always true of floating loans. So, certainly, nearly always, and you can also get variations on the theme, like offset mortgages or revolving credit mortgages, are always floating. Just to go into them briefly, we have gone into them before, and we could spend the whole session talking about them. We don't want to yeah. do that, but but um, offset mortgages. Basically, you are paying down the mortgage, but the amount that you've borrowed is offset by any money you've got in other accounts with the bank. might be a savings account, might be your everyday account. And in quite a lot of cases, you, you can also offset it against other family members' accounts. Um, so instead of getting interest on those accounts, everybody's balance is offset against your mm-hmm. mortgage balance, and that can work very well. Revolving credit is... Um, a bit more complicated even, and, and maybe we shouldn't go into it much no, today because we've done it before. We can always but, come back if we need yes. to at the end of these five, can't we? Yeah. Yes, we can. Suffice to say that, Anne, I think it's a good idea to have at least some of it floating, maybe just 50,000 of the 250, something like that, mm. to give you that sort of flexibility. Great. Hope that helps, Anne. Martin asks, I took out a $200,000 mortgage two and a half years ago on a 10-year period for a refurbishment. I took a 10-year term because I wanted it paid off by 2026, the year I turned 65. As well as making payments for the mortgage, I also make payments to my KiwiSaver and my dilemma is that if I have any extra money, should I put it into KiwiSaver to build up my retirement fund or towards the mortgage so that I reduce my debt? Yeah, no. Um, My first answer to that is it's great that he's doing either. If you've got extra money... And you've got any kind of debt, including a mortgage, it's a really good idea to pay it down. It's also a really good idea to put extra money into your retirement mm. savings. And so um, rather than blowing it on something uh, frivolous like a new car that you don't need, it's a really good idea to do either. Balancing up which one is the better one to do, the way to do that is to think about the interest you're paying on your mortgage versus the interest you'd earn on your KiwiSaver account, interest or it can be other returns in KiwiSaver, but we'll just call it interest here. For the, you know, it can include um, dividends on checks, on, on shares, etc. But we'll just call it all interest here because it makes it simpler. Mm. So if you were paying 6% interest on your mortgage, and you were actually these days it's more like 4 let's say mm. 4% on your mortgage, and you've got to compare that with what you earn in your KiwiSaver account. And quite often, in a lot of KiwiSaver saver funds, you'll be earning more than 4%. And that, that's where the trade-off comes. What are you, If you're paying 4% and you can, can pay off some of that loan to avoid paying 4%, it's just as powerful for your, your wealth as earning 4% somewhere else. So... So you, that's the, the what you need to weigh up. But generally, even though quite often KiwiSaver funds have been earning more than, than mortgage rates are at the moment, 
that won't necessarily continue. Um, KiwiSaver returns have been very high in recent mm. times. They might be negative. You know, they can be. Uh, that's not uncommon for you, your KiwiSaver fund to actually lose money. And because of that volatility, because sometimes it might earn more than your mortgage interest rate, but sometimes it might earn a lot less, I think it's a good idea to just put the money against your mortgage and get rid of that. It's it's a sort of lower-risk strategy, in a way, to, to pay down the mortgage. But, um, you know, there's not there's not a lot in it. Doing either is... If, if for whatever reason, Martin sort of says, no, I'd really rather see... My KiwiSaver account growing well. Well, you know, I'd say then go ahead and do that. Just one other point about Martin. He's what is he? He's ten years off turning sixty-five, so he's ten years off getting his money out of KiwiSaver. If you've got extra money, it's not a bad idea to put it into another fund, not into KiwiSaver, because then you've got access to get it out again if you suddenly find you need it for okay. all kinds of reasons. So he could, he might prefer to go with another fund. And instead of KiwiSaver. That operates yeah. just the same as KiwiSaver, but doesn't have the same restrictions of when you can That's get it out. That's right, mm. yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, query for Jesse and Mary Re mortgages segment this afternoon. What does Mary think of using KiwiSaver to reduce a mortgage once you're eligible to access your KiwiSaver? Save money on interest and mortgage insurance, but not use all their KiwiSaver on repaying the mortgage. Yes, and that came in from a woman named Claire. So it's sort of actually the same same question as Martin's in a way. It's whether you have more money in KiwiSaver and pay, or whether you pay down the mortgage. So in her case, what she's talking about is reaching 65 mm. and you've still got a mortgage and then you've got, you know, let's say 50000 in KiwiSaver at that point. Is it a good idea to turn around and use that money as soon as you get access to it at 65 to pay down the mortgage? And once again, I tend to think, yes, um, maybe not all of it. And she said she probably wouldn't use all of her KiwiSaver money because it's good to have some sitting there for flexibility for using on whatever else comes up. But it's not a good idea to be going into retirement with a mortgage, really. It's not ideal. So if you've got some KiwiSaver money you can use to whack against the mortgage, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Uh, how about this? Astrid wants to know, um, well, she gives us a bit of background first. She says, I'd like and have been offered bare land to buy with power, water, sewage, etc. in place. And I'd like to put a container house on it, partly to save costs and partly because of principles. I just want to buy a small house with a garden for myself, not a flash house, but also not something rubbish. So buying land and putting a container house on it seems a happy alternative. But now my KiwiSaver contact person says I can't use my KiwiSaver for it because the house and land needs to be appealing for a wide audience. First, I've heard that. I think more and more people are interested in smaller houses, said Astrid, and not the ones with four bedrooms and two bathrooms and two garages with no garden. My question is, is there any way I can use my KiwiSaver to buy land to put my own house on it? No, the quick answer is yes, there is. But first of all, I just want to say, um, neat idea, Astrid, the container houses. I wasn't sure exactly what she meant by that, and I googled mm. it. And there's some fa- fantastic pictures that come up of, you know, you can just put a house in one container, but people have done some really neat-looking things with a couple of containers at different angles, etc., etc. So, um, great idea. Now, um, and, and the fact that they're small houses, that they're 
quick to put together. I think they're, you know, the thing of the future, really. Um, oh, they do look cool, don't they? Don't they? Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are really creative and, and neat. But anyway, I, I am not an expert on this using KiwiSaver money to um, to buy a, a first home. And so what I always tend to do if it gets beyond the simple stuff is is go to Housing New Zealand, which runs that aspect. Now, I should be clear here, there are two things about KiwiSaver and First Homes. One is taking withdrawing money out of your KiwiSaver account, and Housing New Zealand doesn't run that. That's just run by your provider, your KiwiSaver provider. Housing New Zealand runs the Home Start grant, which is money you can get to help you buy your home. So looking at both those things, I think Astrid is only wanting to withdraw money, but I've, I've also got an answer about whether she might be able to get some a mm. grant from the government as well. So on the withdrawal of the money, the Housing New Zealand man I spoke to said, um, look, we're not the final say on this, providers are. But he said providers usually don't give much consideration to what actually goes on the land at a later date if you're buying a house and planning to put buying land and planning to put a house on. but And he says, we don't think there would normally be an issue with the situation that you that Astrid has, has outlined for us. In other words, he's not saying that... He agrees that whatever she's been told about, the, the house and land needs to appeal to a wide audience. I've never heard of not that. Not ringing any bells. No, no. And I don't think... That whoever gave her that advice, I would would you know challenge that. There's, a, there's a special um, clause of, of the Kiwi Saver where you, you you get a bit more if you're buying a new building a new house, yes, right? Maybe yes. there's something in there. Yeah, um, I've not heard of it. I mean, I would certainly, if I were asked to go to someone else, don't take that as as the definitive mm. answer. Um, one other point that the Housing New Zealand spokesman made was that under the law, the withdrawal from Kiwi, a KiwiSaver fund has got to be used for the purchase of what they call an estate and land. And that means in her case, what she has to make sure she does is use the KiwiSaver money to buy the land, not to buy the container house. Okay. So um, just check all of that out before you start doing stuff, Astrid, make sure you get that right. So the money, that money should be used for the land and use other money to, to buy the house, perhaps mortgage money. Just looking into the Home Start grant, I realise we're getting short of time, but I think it's worth going into this. Mm. And we, our last question we might leave till another time. So maybe. we go. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the Home Start grant, which a lot of people don't know as much about as as it would be good, is up to $5,000 if you've been in KiwiSave and contributing for five years or more. Um, starts at $3,000 if you've been doing it for three years or more and goes up to 5000 at five years or more. Double that if you're buying a new place. And in her case, I don't know whether buying a container house would qualify as new or not. She's, she'll have to look into that. But there is an income cap. You, you have to make under $85,000 uh, for for one person, and there's a house price cap, which is four hundred to I think it's six hundred and fifty thousand, depending on where you buy it, and whether it's a new house or not. The all of that is on the Housing New Zealand website. But so Astrid might maybe she makes too much money, or but but people in general should be looking at that. Also, people who used to own a home and don't own one anymore. 
because of a divorce or bankruptcy or something like that, they are also eligible for these grants in, under the right circumstances. So I really urge people to look on the Housing New Zealand website. Mm. It's all there and you know fairly easy to follow. And it's money from the government that's very nice to get. Um, but looking specifically at Astrid's situation, um, the guy said, you've got to be a bit careful if you're going for this grant and you're buying land and then putting a house on it. Just read through the situation and um, talk to Housing New Zealand about your own circumstances first because if you do it wrong, you can miss out. Um, for example, he says when you apply for the grant, you've got to apply before the settlement date on buying the land and you've got to give details of the land purchase as well as details about the intended dwelling. And, for example, they might ask for a fixed-price building contract on the on the house or property building you're going to put on there. Um, they require the dwelling to be consentable and compliant with local regulations, etc. In other words, really, um, it's, I really urge people to check out the rules before they go ahead and start signing contracts to buy land. I've had people write to me and they've blown it. They've already got partway into the process and haven't done it right and then they're hoping to get KiwiSaver grants or withdrawals and can't do so. So really important to check that out first. Okay. Uh, we have uh, three minutes, so let's try and do this one. Yes, Ray sure. says, I read in an English magazine sometime that some... Some time ago, that UK banks are starting to offer mortgages to older people, and I'm wondering if New Zealand banks are thinking of doing this. It seems to be eminently sensible given that we have a reliable income, a proven savings record, uh, and we're probably very good budgeters. Plus, the bank will get their money back when we die, which I think might be a few years away. <laughs> yeah, oh dear. I feel many of us may like to have a little cash for another holiday or improvements, um, but are reluctant to borrow using a reverse mortgage. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I think that. Uh, you might as well go with a reverse mortgage, actually. Um, Ray's probably heard some scary things about reverse mortgages. In fact, we, we should do a whole session on them sometime soon. Um, what we're talking about is borrowing money against your home but and paying no interest mm. and no repayments and no interest, no repayments of principal. Typically, people do it when in, in their retirement and, and pay back the money when they die or when they move out of the house. We, I mean, maybe even next time we could possibly do a session on it because there's a lot of interest in it out okay, there. Okay, great. Um, and in, Let's do it. Yes, and we could roll this question into that, really, because I think otherwise what Ray's talking about is borrowing money and then in retirement making payments back again, mm. which just means you're going to have to borrow more money, really. Um if you don't then, have an income. Yeah. Well, you've got, she, says, she says we've got a reliable income. Yeah, you should have New Zealand super in that, but you're still, if you were just doing a reverse mortgage, we're not making any payments on it, you can borrow less than, I mean, because, okay, she's got an income, but she's using that for other things. I mean, the way it all comes out in the wash, I don't see a lot of point in borrowing money in retirement and then paying it back. Mm. Um instead of just simply borrowing less okay. and not paying it back, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but perhaps we should look at reverse mortgages next right. time because there's a lot of interest in them, especially among older people, but younger people as well just 
like to know that's a possibility for them in retirement. Okay, that'll be yeah. on Mary's next visit in two weeks' time. So if yeah. you're interested in reverse mortgages, mark that one in your diary, 15th of November. Thanks for coming in. It's a pleasure, Jesse. Nice to chat. Mary Holm, who's uh, collected um, conversations on this radio station, are on our website as podcasts, rnz.co.nz. Just go to the podcasts page.